NHL uh, insider, that would be Mike Johnson, as always, a presentation of the Myers Automotive Group. How are you doing this morning, MJ? I am doing very well. It's funny because we're, we're so busy. We're tracking everything so closely. And then you're like, oh, I just kind of have to pay attention to one game no more last night. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's quite nice uh, because, yeah, there's nothing else really on the line except for the one. And, boy, uh, we'll get to the stands in a minute, but the Jets are kind of reeling right now. Like they're, They've played the Calgary Flames kind of right back into the mix here in what should have been kind of over the Western Conference race for the Jets. Their struggles of, um, you know, at the worst possible time have, 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 have made the last 17 games for them very interesting. Yeah, they at one point, I think at one point, maybe for a day or two, they were actually first overall in the Western Conference. Yeah. Uh, they're only six points out of first place. But it feels like, to your point, that they have, well, they have, they've got two wins in their last 10. Uh, what do you think, I don't know that there's been significant uh, injuries, at least to uh, to many of the top guys, What uh, from what you've been able to ascertain is going on in Winnipeg. Well, Connor Hellbuck's save percentage last five games, something like 885. So um, he was a Vezina-worthy goaltender for the first 50, and the last 10 he's kind of gone the other way. And it's, it's an age-old question for him because, He's one of the few goalies that does play a lot. And you wonder, is it fatigue? Is he going through a rut? Is his body holding up? But their backup, is it not big save Dave? Mm-hmm. He's not mixed in enough big saves. <laughs> and so, you know, like, what do you do? Do you not play him as much I, to try to get him rest? I don't think they can afford to. Certainly can't afford to now. So that's kind of gone away from them. Um, and so, and the goals are down a little bit. I like, you know, Niederreiter scored a goal again last night. Uh, the method got pick up an assist. I don't mind the, the acquisitions they made, but uh, they were, you know, their goaltender is a big part of their success, and he's he's taking a turn for the worse, and that might be enough for a team that's good, but not great that they can overcome their goalie not not playing well. Isn't this the exact same thing happened when he won the Vesna MJ? By the time they got to the playoffs, he's pretty much just out of gas felt that way i mean and now he would tell you no you know he he, he wasn't tired but he, he at least wasn't as good the numbers would dictate something was going on so um yeah like i i think like i get why you would like you have david riddick respectfully who's an all-star but you have connor Hellebuck. like i if i was coaching i would be like well i'm gonna go with Hellebuck again you know what i mean like that would be the that would be the sentiment even if you know, he, he could use a day's off a day off i'm probably still not gonna give it but there's a danger in doing that, and, and maybe they're bumping into that right now. I should mention that uh, I think Dubois has been uh, either dinged up or I been out. Dubois, yeah. yeah, been out the yeah. last couple of games. From Minnesota side, uh, the Kaprizov injury, a uh, bit of a Ooh. weird one with the splaying of the legs. We saw that in Ottawa. I don't know if you remember when Chris Weidman, he tore the hamstring right off his bone yep. when Malkin fell yep. on him the same sort of way. I, and I'm not; they didn't have an update, so I don't want to suggest it's the same, but it had kind of the same feel to it. Uh, have you ever, uh, in your time, uh, suffered anything close to to that kind of an injury? Not a chance in the world I could have survived in a collision like that. Mm-hmm. If you didn't see it, he kind of got caught in like a hurdler stretch with Logan Stanley, who is all of 240 pounds, sitting right, right on his back. And I'm looking at it, and I saw him limp off, which is obviously terrible news. He is top three in the league in percentage of offenses that he's been involved in for his team. I think Connor's been ahead of him. Uh, but he's right there behind Connor McDavid. Um, and I'm looking, and I'm like, there's any number of, seriously, four different joints that that could have been a problem for. It could have been like his outstretched leg knee. Could have been the hammy on the outstretched leg like Chris Weidman. Could have been the ankle, knee, or hip on the like the hurdler kind of bent leg. 
could have been any number of those things. If it was me, it would have been all those things. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like when I played, it would have been like every muscle in my lower body would have been pulled. I would have been out for weeks. It would have been like, unfortunately, like Forsberg, like multiple pulled MCLs on the same collision. Um, Wild are playing really well right now. They are kind of surging up the standings. Haven't lost in over 10 games. Uh, but without him, they're not like they defend hard. They get good goaltending from both goalies right now. But without him, they're not even remotely the same kind of team to the point where he is worthy of heart trophy conversation, not winning, obviously, but just kind of in that next pack of players conversation. That's how important he is to the wild. You like what Bill Guerin's done? Just con- he just seems to have such a confidence in. Hey, we got this big salary cap issue coming up, but we're just going to plow through it and stay the course. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, they don't play a very pretty style of hockey, though. Like they're like they, they play hard and physical, and I think maybe out of necessity, um, you know, Bill Guerin's built this, built this kind of big defensive, hard to play against team. They don't have like their centermen. When you look at them. Simmer. It's like you got what Ryan Hartman sometimes plays their number one spot. Sam Steele is there. Goudreau. Like these are not traditional high end strength down the middle kind of players, but they're getting it done because they play so hard defensively and they got good goaltending, which they need to do. Um, so I like it because it works, but man, it's hard to play against, but it's also hard to play. And it feels as though there may be a limit to how good they can be because when they play a team that plays just as hard defensively but has way more talent, it feels like they're going to lose. Like It feels like if they play Colorado in the first round, they're, they're going to lose. So that that's the challenge for them. Are you a fan of The Office, by the way? I am not not okay. not like I am a fan of Seinfeld, but enough. Okay, yes. okay, okay. I just uh, I, I I've said this many. I, I don't know if you know all the characters in The Office, but but Dean Evison, the Minnesota coach, there's a fella in the mm-hmm. back called, named Creed. I I, I swear yeah. they're like body doubles. Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. Never been seen in the same room no. at ever. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Sens are in Seattle tonight. Uh, first and foremost, uh, obviously second year for the Kraken. Uh, have you been out there to do a game? And what are your thoughts? I've heard nothing but rave reviews about because they basically redid the rink inside the old Key Arena. Of uh, a, have you been there? And B, what are your just thoughts on on the arena itself? Yeah, you know what? Unfortunately, I have not. Oh. But, uh, I have not been out there. With, with our rotation, the, the games for Ottawa out west, uh, generally Noodles does them because, you know, he's from out there and he, and he kind of enjoys going out there and seeing family and friends. Uh, the games with Montreal out west, Craig Button's out there, so he generally does those <laughs> ones. And so I'll do the Leaf ones that go out there, but they weren't out there this year for a, a TFN game. So okay. long story longer, I have not been out there. But from all reports, incredible job now it better be nice because it costs a boatload of money to redo that (laughs) building but apparently like you walk in at street level and then you sort of head down into the arena but there's lots of glass and the public spaces outside and rinks and attractions and things do right around it they've done an amazing job with the building and they've done a pretty good job on the ice this year as well seattle they've been one of the bigger surprises and they're currently riding a five-game win streak so uh, a tough opponent to bump into right now. We went through the stats uh, last hour. Their uh, their five on five goal scoring is the best in the NHL, yeah. and it's not like it's three or four guys. I, I, they've got thirteen guys with ten or more goals. Twelve of them forwards. Uh, this mm-hmm. did you ever did you foresee uh, offensively that the Kraken would be as good as they are this year? Of course not. How could you possibly see this coming? <laughs> like it's 
you know, and it's not like they don't have good players. You know, you see their acquisitions, acquisitions, you see Bjorkstrand go out there, you're like, yeah, but you know, if they're being asked to be the primary guy, can they be that? But what the beauty of that team is they really haven't asked anyone to be the primary guy. Like, they just kind of roll their lines. They ask everyone to chip in offensively. Yes, some guys get to play on the power play, but no one plays so many more minutes. You know, their number one center is Matty Beniers, who's good, but again, he's, you know, he's still going through his rookie year. Everyone is just kind of being counted on to maybe try to get 20 goals. And just about everyone is sort of on pace to get 20 or so goals. Uh, it clearly is all working well for them. But no, not at all. I didn't see this coming. Thought they would be better than last year. But what's fascinating about them is the pivot they went from – they built their team through the draft, defensive, took a ton of defense men, uh, goaltending. They signed Grubauer that big deal. You think, okay, we're going to defend our way to our wins. But when you look at their roster and how they're playing this year, that's not what they're doing. Like, they're getting a lot of wins, but their goaltenders have, you know, sub-900 save percentages as a team, uh, and yet they're totally okay with all of that, um, which is not how they were originally built. So it's been a quick pivot with great success. And Gruber are actually playing a little bit better as of late, which bodes well heading towards the playoffs. And watching them here, MJ, they just play properly. I mean, they just feasted on Ottawa all over the ice on turnovers. You give Dave Hoxall a lot of credit because I, I kind of look at this last year and, you know, he was in Philly. He was just okay. I'm like, come on, nothing going on here. Now I'm thinking, well, this guy would be with Monty and uh, Lindy Ruff in the conversation for the Jack Adams. Yeah, and it's funny, Simmer, how you see guys, um, coaches kind of do better in their second act, you know, mm-hmm. whether whether it's a, a Bruce Cassidy or, you know, guys who – who, who go in there and they're quality coaches the first time through Craig Berube and then and they get another shot and they take what they've learned they apply it in a different situation and maybe Hackstall is doing that. He had the time in Philly coming out of college and that's always a tricky transition to make when the team's not that good. And then, you know, you get dumped into an expansion team and, you know, how much can they, is it on the coach, is it the roster, whatever, but you weren't sure. And he clearly has this team buying in. They are all on the same page. And I got to tell you, there is something empowering. It kind of reminds me, like back in 99, the year I was playing, I was in Toronto, we made it to the conference finals. The year prior, we were no good. We were my rookie season. We were 13th out of 15 teams. And we had a star in Matt Sundin, but we didn't have any other offensive stars. And we went, when Pat Quinn came in to coach us from bottom five scoring team to the top scoring team without really adding, we added Steve Thomas and Derek King, but it was all strength in numbers. We had seven or eight or guys get 20 goals, Steve Sullivan and Sergey Barron and the New York Korolev and me and Freddie Bodine and all these guys, Jonas Hoagland, none of whom like are superstar players, but all sort of chipped in. And there is something very, very like collaborative about everyone chipping in and no one really being counted on to carry the load. And I think that's what Seattle's going through right now. They're all kind of rooting for each other, pushing each other and pulling for each other. And doing it with great success. So it's almost like building a communist hockey team. Everyone is just <laughs> pull it. Nobody's better than anybody else. And I mean that actually sincerely, other than Matt Sundin. He's the czar. Yeah. Yeah, right. Well, he's yeah, got the exactly. dacha in the Black Sea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got the place in uh, Sochi. Yeah. Absolutely. But like that, yeah. Like, and, but like, it's almost empowering, but also liberating. Yeah. Like, I, I was a player that, you know, I wanted to produce offense. You know, like I thought I, could, I wanted to try to score as much as I could and get as many points as I could. And so you put a lot of pressure on yourself to try to score. And I, I was on teams in Tampa and Arizona where I was one of the best players. And I was counted on to score all the time. And it's a lot of pressure, uh, especially when you're good, but you're not great. 
And I, I found that year in Toronto, like just so freeing mentally because I was sort of putting the same pressure on me internally, but the, the pressure wasn't there externally to kind of be the guy. And then we all kind of ended up having good, good seasons together. And that's sort of what is happening in Seattle. And, I, and I'm, I'm sure the players are really enjoying their experience being empowered to go play, but not sort of being um, scrutinized or burdened by the need to carry an offense that maybe no one player on that team is, is good enough to carry. Uh, in a roundabout way, does a team like Seattle, like your old Toronto team, uh, become more difficult to defend against? Because a lot of teams are built where they've got, let's say, a shutdown pair, they've got, uh, you know, a, you know, a shutdown line or whatever, and a, and a possession line or mm-hmm. whatever. But if you can just come back, uh, come at them with forward line after forward line, that's all. That all have a chance to score. Um, you know that that that's that you know that's fairly unique to what we see. Most teams are built, and Ottawa's a great example. They're getting pretty good goal scoring this year, but it's essentially all coming from their top two lines. Yeah, absolutely. And basically, the the, the dynamic of a, a series or a game becomes: okay, well, can we control their top six, and then we'll win the rest, right? Like. You know, Seattle bumps into every team. Ottawa, no different. Ottawa's top six is better than Seattle. Better players, better production, all that. But if they can kind of play them close to a standstill, which is almost easier, you know, to defend and get saves, and it's hard to it's it's hard to just score all the time like the Ottawa guys are being asked to, and then trust that your depth guys will score as well, and, and that will be the difference maker. Yes, you're absolutely correct. It is a trickier matchup. Um, you don't have the stars, but you got the depth, and you'll see which one kind of plays out uh, over the course of a game, or I guess they're going to find out over the course of a series. The practice lines yesterday, not earth-shattering changes if they do happen, MJ, and they weren't even confirmed, but it would be Kelly uh, in along with Brown and Holden. You'd take Brandstrom out along with Broussard uh, and Goche. Uh Any surprise? I, I only looked at it because they had played so well with that group, mm-hmm. and then you have one clunker. I thought, man, I, I, I'd kind of show confidence in the group, and I, I don't want to get too carried away with the changes, but I guess any surprise that, that you'd make that many switches? Um, a little bit, yeah. I, I'm with you. Like I would think, yeah, like the Chicago game was a clunker, the, the polite way of saying it. It was really yeah. bad. Uh, but they've also played really, really well. There has been as good as just about any team in the league over the last four weeks. So I would be inclined to want to give the team the chance to, to flush that one, come back, and so the same group say, that's okay. You're not going to win every game the rest of the way. You're not even going to play well every game the rest of the way. But let's give the same group that had played so well another run to start another good streak together. Now, you know, Brown, you, you want to try to get new acquisitions in the lineup, I suppose. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Holden, I'm, I want somebody to skate against Seattle because they are very fast on transition, which maybe is Brandstrom. Yeah, I, I am a little surprised, but, uh, you know, DJ would have a good pulse on his team. But mm-hmm. I'm always inclined, like, I give them one more when they've gone on a run as good as they've had. Mm-hmm. And then if they don't play well tonight, then, then you can do whatever you want. The roster make as many changes as you, as you feel you need to. The hockey gods are back, sneaking, uh, uh, putting pins into the backs of the Sens uh, goalies because uh, Tam Talbot now oh is goodness. back out again for a third time, this time up to three weeks, which means the goaltending is now back in the hands of the two rookies who collectively have uh, uh, experience in seven game, or nine games uh, so far uh, this season. Uh, they've been at, they you were asked to short change them yeah. from nine down to seven. Sorry. Like 22% of their experience. Yeah. They were asked to, them. yeah, they were asked to do it, uh, you know, about a month or so ago, uh, when Talbot was already hurt and then Forsberg had the double knee injury and they were able to carry the mail for that short amount of time in a, in a good way. 
But now we're, uh, MJ, we're four weeks down the road, and the Sens, at, you know, now have played themselves into the playoff conversation. Absolutely. Does the, does the mindset, the pressure from these rookie goalies, does it ratchet up at all uh, in terms of, you know, what, how much they're being counted on uh, in this position? Field, it has to. I mean, I, I can't put myself into the mind of any goaltender would want to, uh, or these guys specifically. But, yeah, I mean, it's different playing fat, free, and easy when – you know, every win is a bonus. And if you lose, well, that's, you know, that's not your fault because you weren't supposed to be there to begin with. To now, this team has had this great push. They are absolutely in the playoff chase. Like 100% in the playoff chase. They've got to track down probably the Islanders, right? They've got uh, their four, they're six points back with three games in hand. Like that is, that, they're right there. If they can win two of the three, they're two points back with 15 games left. That, that is, an entirely different situation than maybe the mentality they had when they first got there. But, I mean, I don't know what Matt Sogard's like. I'm, you know, he's played other big games in his life, relatively speaking, whether it's in Europe or nationally or whatever it might be. Mandalay, they, they played big games. They've dealt with pressure. They know themselves. You'd like to think that they will be up to the challenge mentally. I don't know if they're up to the challenge physically. Like, I don't know if they're good enough. Uh, but mentally, I would hope that they, you know, they would look at the opportunity and, and rise to it, and I expect that they will. But it's a tough, it's a tough call, and I don't blame. Like I know some people told me, well, that's why Dorian should have gone and got another goalie. I don't blame them. Like you think Talbot's coming back? Yeah. Like you know, there's only so much you can do uh, as far as trying to bolster your roster for a hopeful run that you weren't even sure would happen. I don't blame them for not doing that. You got to figure or hope that your guys would stay healthy. They just haven't. So uh, it's on the two kids, but you never know. I guess we'll find out. Well, and after Monday's game and the drop, I get a sense with this group, MJ, it's not like, okay, we came close to the playoffs. I think they actually want to get in this along, or that, sorry, along with two goaltenders. Don't you think it's almost a, hey, nice little rally here, rally between the two kids. The kids seem to get along, and at the same time, this group, you know, has higher aspirations. Uh, For sure. For sure it could be a rallying cry, And, and, like, you, you, like, remember the Hamburglar? He wasn't supposed to be very good either, right? Like, you know, he came in and was like, that'll never happen again until it does happen, and it doesn't have to happen as long or as well. Like, you know, if they can win, what do they got, 19 games left? I keep saying 94, 92 points will get them really close. So 12 and 7 gets Ottawa to 92 points, and they'll be right around it if they get there. It might be one short, might be one good, I don't know, but around that number. 12 and 7 doesn't seem outrageously difficult you know it's a good it's better than they've done so far this year but it's but it's doable and i think like yeah you can rally behind each other the opportunity you can rally behind the youth of the goaltenders it's like it's we're doing with guys who've never even been here before but you love it um that's the sort of mentality you want to take to these games and uh, i'm sure they will and in the run guys it was 99 points and they had to win the final day like that is a big right. difference yeah right? yeah yeah I, I, I like to think, and I'm of the belief that NHL players always play hard, but we always hear this, uh, Mike, whether it's they, they, the team collectively likes, you know, if we're talking about veteran goalies, likes one guy maybe a little bit more, they play harder for one guy than another. Or in the case of Ottawa, you got two really, really inexperienced guys. Is that actually a thing? Or is that something that we, you know, where they play harder uh, for one guy or another? Or in this case, they'll play harder because they've got rookie goalies. Is that in actuality a thing? No. It sounds good, though. (laughs) It sounds good in theory. And, like, I don't know if there's some sort of subconscious bias. Like, we've made jokes, like, 
when we had, you know, Glenn Healy jump in the net instead of Cujo, we're like, okay, guys, block a lot of shots. Heels is in there. We got to block a lot of shots. But, like, no one is actually trying to block more shots because the backup's in there. No one's trying, oh, I like Brian Boucher, my goalie in Arizona, so I'm going to play harder. I'm going to back check harder, play smarter. Like, it's like, no, no. I mean, I think there can be an, a, a momentarily heightened attention to detail. Right. I think that's possible because you're like, hey, listen, we got to really make sure to. But that could be also going up against Edmonton with your regular goalie. Like, you know, situations occasionally get your attention. But the idea, no, we try harder because of a guy or because of whatever. I, you know, that's not that realistic. Okay. Uh, last one for you. Did the Toronto, New Jersey game on, uh, on Tuesday. Got a chance to see uh, Timo Meyer uh, in his uh, Devils debut. A lot of people have liked that uh, on a really uh, skilled, fast, but relatively speaking, small team, he brings some nice size. I know it's only, you know, the one, well, he's played two games, but uh, do you see him as re- be- being a long-term here, real good fit for all, for New Jersey for the rest of the season? Yes, but not on Tuesday. <laughs> he did not have a good night on Tuesday. Uh, took a, a tough turnover, took a penalty that the Leafs scored on. It wasn't a dream debut, but he does bring a lot of attributes that Jersey needs, that combination of size and speed and skill to add to their top six. They're trying him with Jack Hughes right now. Um, you know, Jack Hughes is an incredible player, and they, he plays with Jesper Bratt. If you don't know these two guys, they are dynamic, east-west, very creative players. And it might be tough to get a read on exactly where they're going out there because they, they don't go in straight lines. Um, but if he doesn't work there, he'll go with Nico Heischer, a guy he played with previously on the Swift national team. There's history there as well. So um, it makes sense. Like I think Jersey plans on him being there this year. They want to sign him to extension long term so he's going to be there for a while but he he's a, he's probably the best forward to change teams at the deadline and he goes to a team that needs him but is also really good already right uh, so it should make a lot of sense all right good stuff appreciate the time and the insight as always uh and look forward to chatting with you again next week <laughs> boys have a good day